Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury, with your hosts, Aaron Martin and Mariah Morgan. Welcome back to the Making Headway Podcast. This is Mariah, and this is the part where you wait for, and this is Aaron. But Aaron's not here today, and I'm really bummed about it. She had to work today. It is a weekday, so you just got me. And guess who else you have? You have Joe from the Neuro Nerds. I am super stoked to be introducing him. He and I connected a while back. It feels like ages ago. I was just telling him we were meant to be friends. Um because of brain injuries. And he is one of the co-hosts of one of the few other brain injury focused podcasts out there. And so I've been listening to the NeuroNerds for quite a while now and appreciate their humor. And so when Joe and I connected, it was like an instant connection. And I have heard from many brain injury survivors that that is the case. So welcome, Joe, to the Making Headway podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm I'm really excited. Like, I'm, I'm normally I'm pretty amped up and I'm pretty energetic. Like even more so right now. This is this is such a joy to be on your podcast because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the Making a, a Headway podcast because you guys are a <laughs> lot more mature than I am. And I feel like your life goals. <laughs> We're like your more serious counterpart in this in the podcast space. Yeah. Am like I you freezing? Like, you know how there's Bizarro, how there's Bizarro Superman? You're like Bizarro <laughs> podcaster of Lauren and I. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someday we'll meet in an alternate universe, and do we have to battle? I hope we don't have to battle. <laughs> I, I hope not, but if we do, Lauren's going to win. So I'm yeah, Lauren wins. Right. We'll we'll just forfeit. <laughs> uh, well, um, so I was saying earlier that I've listened to your podcast many a time and I've heard bits and pieces of your story, but I don't know that I've heard your story all put together. Would you mind starting from the beginning for our listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with your podcast? For sure. For sure. The year was now. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, what was it? Oh my gosh. 2016. It was almost five years ago now in uh, 2016, I had a high blood pressure induced hemorrhagic stroke, which is, a really gnarly stroke that not many people make it back from. Um, how it happened, uh, I was on, when it happened, I was on my way to uh, my girlfriend's show. She's a singer-songwriter, and she was performing at like a local little dive bar, one of my favorite spots. I was really excited to be here, be there. Her, her dad was in town. It was like a, a, a big thing. I suffered from migraines most of my adult life. I just assumed it, was, it ran in the family because my, my mother had migraines, her mother had migraines so on and so forth, all the way down the line. So I just had just this, this the migraine of all migraines, but I didn't want to miss the show because I was really excited about it. I was like, all right, I'll be fine. I'll push through it like I would normally do. Drove to the, the show. I was in the parking lot, and I was like, God, I just really don't feel good. Got out of the car, and it took a few steps, and I felt a, <laughs> I don't know if you heard that noise I just made. I felt a pop in my so head. So weird. It was, it was so crazy. And for a split second, this was this is what was really wild. The the intense and now when I say the most intense pain you've ever had in your head, that that searing, stabbing, burning knife that was going through my brain for a split second, it disappeared. I had relief, and I remember taking a deep breath, and I was just like, oh wow, like I felt like oh wow, I can function again because the pain is gone. And then another second later every muscle fiber in my body turned to jelly. The pop was my right basal ganglia rupturing in the parking lot. So that wasn't good. Um, (laughs) And I just remember I took maybe about four steps and I I was struggling to walk. And I remember saying, um, wow, I feel like a, like a baby deer, like I'm learning how to walk again. And you know, my girlfriend's very concerned. She's literally, she's 10 minutes away from performing. And she's like, you know, we should go home. We should, and I'm like, no, 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 I wanna, I'll, I'll be fine. So being a very stubborn idiot, I went to the bar and had a couple beers because one does that after having a stroke in the parking lot. <laughs> I did something that was really dumb. I took an aspirin with alcohol. Nobody should do that. But again, do as I say, not as I do, guys. It was like the worst <laughs> idea. But at the time, I thought it was a good idea. Also, I did have a stroke right then. So, I mean, there's that. Um, I I dealt with it. I I had a burger because I was like, maybe I'm hungry. And I don't remember anything much, maybe about five, 10% over the next two months. 
from that moment. So all the rest of this is just secondhand information, what was being told to me. So Isn't that I, crazy? I like the piecing of the story together. It's kind of bizarre. Yeah. Like how many memories come together or how few and then like relying on other people's stories to fill it's it so, in. I'll tell you why it's weird, because I'm not sure if I remember what I think I remember. Mm -hmm. Or if it's just I've painted such a vivid picture in my head of all of these people telling me these things that I just created this. So that's what's really weird where I'm like, wait, did I did I do that? Did I say yeah. that? Um, I didn't want to go to the hospital. I don't want to uh, miss out on the show. So I just dealt with it. Um, we went home afterwards. And I think I said I would drive. That's what they, and, uh, they're like. No, not a great idea, Joe. <laughs> couple beers. You have a head? No, get out of here. So I, I went home and they're like, well, you know, we think you should go to the doctor. And I'm like, no, I'll be fine. I just, I'll, I'll just sleep it off, which is what I would do with my migraine. So um, I try to sleep it off. Apparently I woke up a few times in the middle of the night and I threw up and I was throwing up red. The assumption was I was throwing up red because I had a burger and that was the, yeah, it wasn't that. Um, and of course me being me, no, I'm not going to the hospital. I'm not going to the doctor. I'll be fine. And so the next morning, I'm still in bed. I'm still not feeling well. Uh, my girlfriend had to do something on the computer. So she was like, hey, go lay down in the living room and let me wrap this thing up. And, and then, you know, we'll, we'll see how you're feeling. She did what she needed to do. She came out and I was standing in the kitchen. And she was like, oh, I thought I told you to lay down in the living room. And I screamed like a very mean, nasty person. I am in the living room. <laughs> and she was like, oh, this is this is this is a problem. Um, thank goodness your father was in town because he called uh, his um, brother-in-law and his brother-in-law had just had a, a brain surgery a few months prior. And he explained everything that was going on with me. And, and he literally, he said immediately call 911, get him to a hospital. That's neurological what's going on. So I, uh, I apparently I went to the hospital in an ambulance. I don't remember any of this. Uh, they got to the hospital and then they, they kept saying, so uh, Felice, my significant other, they kept saying he has a brain bleed. He has a bleed in the brain. So she just kept on saying, oh, he has a brain bleed, he has a brain bleed. Um, they finally, after a few hours, somebody said the word stroke and she was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> She's like, no, he just has a brain bleed. He didn't have a stroke. And they're like, no, 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 that is a stroke. <laughs> This is right there. Again, the she was like, oh, so she didn't really know what a stroke was. Mm -hmm. And then she realized, oh, we had a stroke. So, uh, yeah, I had a stroke on August 4th, 2016. Um, I was in the hospital for a month and a half or so, uh, which was just so much fun. God, I love the hospital. <laughs> it's a joy. <laughs> and, uh, and Who then, wants the no, four I, seasons when you can go to the hospital? Right? I mean, there's delicious food and the oh. nurses are so sweet and doctors are – so it was kind of the worst experience for me. But I don't remember most of it, so it's been awesome. <laughs> it was weird though when I actually came to. So I don't know if this resonates with anybody out there because um, I don't remember anything. I woke up in a brand new body. I was 30 pounds lighter. Yeah. Because I was basically in bed for a month and I didn't walk and it moved like my muscles had atrophied. Like I just I gotta tell you, it was the best diet ever. I didn't even have to work out. I said, <laughs> no, 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 don't have strokes. Go work out. Eat well. Yeah, do that. Um, it was wild, too, because I woke up in a different brain. I, I, I couldn't understand anything. I couldn't process things. I had left side neglect when I was in the hospital. So I didn't my brain. This is what's fascinating about the brain. My brain didn't acknowledge that I had a left side. So, and, and one of the, the few moments that I actually remember is I was in occupational therapy in the hospital and they told me to draw a clock and I drew half of a clock. <gasps> Legitimately, I drew half of a clock. They told me wow. to draw a person and I drew half of a person. And they would ask me, where's the other half? And they point to the left and it didn't compute. It didn't process because I was looking at it and I was like, that's, what do you, yeah. know what you're, you mean? That's <laughs> a clock. That's a person. I'm not a great artist, but that's, that's definitely a clock. So the, as that was weird, that was strange. That's, I think the first time I realized that, wow, I have, I have a brain injury. <laughs> this is, this is not normal. This is, this is a very strange yeah. thing yeah. that's happening in my life. And then slowly, slowly but surely I got to walking um, I didn't have any patience at all. So like, okay, I'm standing, so I want to walk. I'm walking, so I want to run. Um, that was, you know, not the, the, the best idea. 
Um, but yeah, it, it was it was interesting. And then the one thing about the hospital, which I hated every moment of it, uh, as far as I remember it, as far as I was told, I do remember vividly leaving the hospital. And mm. leaving the hospital was the most beautiful moments I've ever experienced in life, even up to this point. Um, I like I even thinking about it right now. I'm like, nope, I am not going to get emotional on your podcast. But I always get like a little bit, you know, uh, missy eyed and get uh, emotional when I think about being stuck in a bed, not being able to move and not knowing if I was ever going to be able to go home or leave or move Mm. or function again. So I was in the car. Um, I wasn't driving. (laughs) I was in the car and I was like, (laughs) thank God. I had my head out the window. (laughs) <laughs> had my head out the window and I just remember seeing the most beautiful thing these eyes have ever seen. And I know it seems so simple, but those with brain injuries understand that something so simple could be so beautiful. I saw wind rustling the leaves of a tree mm. and I immediately broke down. Even right now, I'm a little bit emotional inside. Outside, I look like a psychopath. Inside, I <laughs> And I just bawled and I just cried and cried because it was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. And I, you know, when you're in a hospital, you're staring at the same four walls. You can't walk. You can't go anywhere. And when you do, it's down the hall. You need help going to the restroom, which is just I'm so glad that I don't remember any of that because that's some trauma mm-hmm. right there. Um, I had to be helped. Uh, I was bathed. You know, that was weird. And it's not like in the movies. Yeah, <laughs> it's, There's nothing attractive and sexy and beautiful about a, a nurse comfortably in her 60s bathing a grown man. There's nothing beautiful about that. It was very weird. Um, but yeah, it, it was just so nice. And um, as soon as I got home, I remember one of the few moments that I had early on of clarity. My girlfriend leaned down and she looked at me and she said, your stroke was a blessing. And without mm-hmm. missing a beat, I looked at her dead in her eyes and I said, I don't think you know what the word blessing means. <laughs> I wasn't there yet. I wasn't there yet. It was a few months later when I realized she was 100% right. My stroke saved my life. It didn't take, yeah, it took a few things from me, but it gave me more than it took. It gave me perspective. I've lived more life in the the almost five years since my stroke than I did in the 30 plus years prior. Um, I'm a recovering Catholic, so (laughs) I was taught to never process anything. I was taught to never, you know, you have an issue, just shove it down. Don't inconvenience anybody with these. Just don't talk about it. How dare you acknowledge just, it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, just mm-hmm. shove it down. So I did that. I did that my whole life. I never, I, I just dealt with things. I was in survival mode since I went to therapy after my stroke, which is a thing I think everybody should do. Even if you're Agreed. like, go to therapy. Just, go to therapy. Just, mm-hmm. just a check-in. Just a check-in. Mm-hmm. And it, it helped me understand that I was, I've been in survival mode since I was like seven years old. Now, when you're in survival mode, you're kind of in fight or flight, right? Constantly. You're like you're, you're, you're like a squirrel. A squirrel is always agitated and moving around because he's in fight or flight. You know, he doesn't know if he's going to have to defend himself or take off running. So my entire life, I was like that. When you're in that mode, you don't really have time to live. You're, you're just existing. You're surviving. You don't have time to plan for the future. You don't have time to think, hey, I can't wait to go here and do that. You just don't. So after, you know, um, I, I started going to therapy, I started processing some stuff. I put up boundaries. I didn't even know that boundaries was a thing that you could put up. It's my favorite B word. It's so it's my second favorite B word, but I won't mention the other one. It was was so refreshing and it was such a, a beautiful moment in life. It was such a great realization where I was like, wow, this is, this is what life should be. I, I made it back to live the life that I was meant to live, you know, and, and my, my stroke didn't, it didn't almost kill me. My, my stroke gave me my life. So I, a lot of people ask, would you go back and change things so you never had your stroke? And I, I no, I absolutely wouldn't. I, I feel blessed 100% that I had my stroke because it, it saved my life. Yeah. I think that perspective is, it's, one that I find is prevalent, but it certainly takes some time to get there. Like if, if you're listening to this and you think we're crazy because we are two people sitting here saying that we're grateful for having nearly died because of a brain injury, um, just give it some time. You might get there. For sure. Look, it, it's you can look at it as um, it's like the yin and yang of life, right? 
the only reason you know what good feels like is because you know what bad feels like. So if you're in a beautiful relationship, you're married, correct? I'm married. You're married. You love your dude. I'm in a beautiful relationship. (laughs) (laughs) So you have that. And I'm sure you went through some really terrible relationships. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I actually I actually say I would never have um, even like agreed to meet my husband for coffee for the first time if I hadn't gone through the really tough relationships that I had before him because I had to like see, you know, the the bad side of things in order to really, truly recognize the good. Exactly. And it's the exact same thing with our brain injuries. Well, for me in particular, I can't speak for anybody else, but I, I know what a beautiful relationship is because I've went through the worst that you can think of. You know, I know what delicious, healthy food tastes like because I know what a McRib tastes like. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's the perspective that you have. So being in survival mode, just existing for my entire life, having everything taken away from you. And when I say everything, I didn't have, I was told when to eat. It was almost like prison. It was a mental prison Mm -hmm. too, because my body gave out on me. I couldn't walk. Now, when you have to tell somebody, Hey, I, I I really have to pee, (laughs) you know, and then you have to be gingerly walk to the restroom so you can relieve yourself. That's tough. When you can't bathe yourself, that's, Huff. Now it gives you a perspective. So, you know, a, a lot of it's, it's, it's really, it's really weird, but it, it makes you appreciate the things that you can do. Now I did lose some things, a lot of cognitive physically, I'm kind of killing it, but like cognitively I have <laughs> short term memory loss. I have, you know, physically I have a, a tremors in my right hand when I exhaust the little muscles, but that pales in comparison to what I've gained. I've gained a perspective. I've gained appreciation of being here. So I say this to a lot of survivors and, and I, it's, it sticks with some and it will eventually with others. Recovery isn't easy. Recovery is hard. It's the most difficult thing I think I've ever done in life. The world is not easy. The world is not hard. It, it is not, it's not easy. The world is very hard. It's a very difficult place to be in and things are very heavy and things seem so insane sometimes, but on those days, as crazy as things get, I feel blessed that I'm here to experience how crazy these things are. So even though, wow, everything seems like it's on fire and the ceiling is caving in and the sky is falling. Wow. If you take a step back and think, you know, what's really cool that I'm here, that I'm here to experience the sky falling, that I'm here to experience that everything's on fire as opposed to being stuck in a hospital or even worse, not being here. We don't know what we don't know. Is it an endless void of nothing? Is it, you know what I mean? Like we have no idea. So the reality is even when things get crazy, I feel blessed to be here to experience how crazy these things get. Yeah. That perspective is a good one. And, um, in my house, because I happen to be hit by a car, whenever someone's having a bad day, Usually me or my husband is like, did anybody get hit by a car? No. Okay. We're fine. <laughs> right. Can I ask you a question? Do you make jokes about your injury? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, we have to, like, I, I, I've seen on the internets, um, in some support groups, people joke about stuff and then other people get really offended by it. And so I, and I understand why, because you just might not be there yet. But at a certain point, you have to laugh about some of it. It's, you know, like we're human. It's some of it is ridiculous. You know, like the funny thing that that at least that I find super entertaining about my brain injury is like, I mean, you've had a couple conversations with me, you know, I'm like a nice person. But they put me in the ambulance after getting hit by a car and I had like a fight or flight, very like adrenaline reaction. And I was like lashing out at the EMTs. I was um, I. I unintubated myself because I was like, pull, I was like, I took off my own neck brace. I, you know, like I was, I, I turned into the Hulk. Wow. (laughs) I don't, I don't think, I don't know. It was aggressive. I don't know. I I don't know how many people I was (laughs) bunching, but (laughs) that's funny, (laughs) especially if you know me. So it's very you know, funny. Now you have to you have to look I, I at have some of that stuff that is normies. ridiculous or that would normally embarrass you and laugh. <laughs> yeah. For sure. You know, again, we're here. We 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 made it. We can joke about these things. My issue isn't necessarily the brain injury community. 
that um, people have issues with like, oh, well, you can't make jokes about that. It makes it, oh, cool, you're not there yet, and that's fine. I have issues with normies, and that's what I call people without brain injuries. So normies who get uncomfortable with the way that we process, I have a problem with that. I was at, I remember um, <laughs> a really good friend of mine, he never came to visit me in the hospital, and that's fine. And people were like, why are you such a, oh, I was going to curse. Oh, I can curse. You've cursed before. I curse. He's like, wait, yeah. people are asking him, why are you such a dick? Go see Joe. He couldn't, right? He came up to me and I, I remember I was making jokes because it's just what I do. And I was joking about my brain injury and he, I just made a joke and I looked back at him and he looked like he saw a ghost. He was so, not offended, he was so hurt almost. And I remember he came up to me and was like, hey, you know, I just want to apologize for not coming to the hospital. He's like, I just... I couldn't do that. I couldn't see you like that. Like it just, he's a really sensitive guy. And then I remember him saying, so he, he said, yeah, and you know, now you're joking about this. And he's like, I, I, I it just makes me really uncomfortable. He's mm -hmm. like, it, it really it like affects me. And, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. It happened to me. <laughs> so I was like, I understand that you're very sensitive about this. I was like, but it happened to me. And this is the way that I process. Yeah. So, understanding now like i get that it can be uncomfortable to people because they can't understand mm -hmm. they don't understand how we're making fun of something that was so serious something that yeah in a lot of our cases should have taken us you know mm -hmm. but i think but, unless you've had some serious trauma in your life you probably can't relate um 100%. and that's I, I tell people all the time unless you've been through it you can't understand mm -hmm. and that's an excellent segue because i would also love for you to tell the story of how the neuro nerds came to be so the neuro nerds, okay, so if you have a brain injury and you have a support system, that's amazing. Unless somebody in that support system has a brain injury, there's a certain amount of loneliness that you feel. There's a certain amount of isolation that you feel. And I felt that my first year of recovery. Now, it, I had people with me. My girlfriend is, she's, it's amazing how amazing she has been to me and everything that she's done. Like, I'm forever grateful. She can't understand what we go through. Mm -hmm. She can't. And that's in no way a knock to the caretakers out there. It's just like, oh. you're not in the club. <laughs> it's just the reality. Mm -hmm. So I refer to us a lot as um, uh, like soldiers, right? We've been to war with our own brains, right? Now, unless you've been to war, you can think, we can hear stories about war and battle. We, we don't know what it's truly, what it's truly like to feel that. So it's the same thing when we describe what we go through in our own heads. So I, I just felt like I'm, I'm back and I'm here and I'm ready to live life. And then I just felt like, wow, I now have this new perspective and this new care about life. And, and, and I'm just, I'm so lonely and I feel so, I, I feel so by myself and I, I, I just, nobody can hear me. Nobody understands me. And I'm, I guess this is just the second life I have that I'm going to be, you know, just kind of existing alone. Mm -hmm. It was really weird. It was really depressing. Um, randomly I went to a party with my girlfriend and there I was telling my story, you know, it was, it was a friend's birthday party, maybe about 10 people there. And there was this girl and she's just staring at me really intensely, <laughs> leaning on every word. And it was almost awkward where I was like, um, I'm here with my girlfriend. <laughs> she came up to me afterwards and she's like, everything you said, I feel a hundred percent. She said a year ago, I got in a major car accident and ended up having a major concussion from that. She was like, I, everything you, I felt that. So we decided to meet, we met up for coffee once and it was the first time in my recovery I felt heard. It was the first time that I felt like, and it sounds weird. It was the first time I felt like I was going to be able to make it to really get through this mm -hmm. because it, for the first, there was someone else. There's someone else. You, you get it. You understand what I'm saying. So halfway through our conversation, I was just like, yeah, we're immediately, we bonded almost instantly. We just became just like, we are one. And then I started realizing, oh, wow, you're a nerd. She started <laughs> talking about like some really nerdy things. And I'm like, oh, she's like, oh, like you have no idea. I was like, oh, you're like a nerd nerd. She like writes fan fiction. She speaks orc and elvish. <laughs> she's like super nerd. So, uh, you know, I came up with the idea. I was like, you know what? We should, we should meet up. We should meet up weekly and we should have this conversation like for us selfishly. Mm -hmm. So I had an excuse. And again, this is 100% selfish for both of us. So we just had an excuse to talk to somebody who else who understood and speak nerd, not just speak nerd, just speak, you know, brain injury, mm -hmm. you know, like it just talk to somebody that, that got it. So we started 
just meeting weekly. And that's how the Neuro Nerds was created. Selfishly, because Lauren and I are two selfish human beings doing <laughs> our podcast for ourselves. Um, and, you know, I, I put out the first episode and I remember, I, I, I don't know if you were overwhelmed after your brain injury. I was very overwhelmed and overstimulated with everything. So everything I, I was never, much of a social, I was never much of a social media person. I was just like, I was part of the anti-social network. I remember I put out the episode and when I say a lot of people, it wasn't a lot of people. It was like five people, like five people reached out to me and just started asking some questions. And I remember I, I, I couldn't handle it. It was after the first episode we had, I think we recorded two or three episodes and it was after the first episode, only five people reached out. That was too much for me. And I felt incredibly overwhelmed and overstimulated. And I was really ready just to call it quits. <laughs> it was, the, it was, this was a beautiful moment in my recovery though. And as for like the, the pot for the podcast, I just remember after, I don't remember what day it was, but I just sit back and sat back and I was just exhausted. And I was like, wow, I, I can't do this. I started my blog and I was like, I, I can't do this too much. The day I was ready to call it quits, the day I was ready to kill the, the, the page and the podcast, a woman reached out to me and I'll, I'll never forget this. I'm forever grateful to her. And she said that her husband had just had a hemorrhagic stroke like myself, mm. roughly the same age. And I'm not going to cry again. She said, Let it out, Joe. It's fine. She, she said, um, listening to your story. She's like watching you on social media, listening to your podcast, reading up on the things that you're doing. She was like, it gives me hope. It gives our family hope. And that stuck with me. And I remember it was that moment where I was like, oh, wow, this, this is, it's not about me anymore. It's not about Lauren anymore. It's not about us as a duo. It's bigger than us. Mm -hmm. And I can't stop doing this even if I wanted to, which I did. I desperately wanted to stop because it was too much. I will forever push through. I will forever fight and keep going because there are people out there that need to know that they're not alone. There, and I know it sounds weird, but us sharing our stories and our successes, it almost gives people permission out there to keep fighting. And it also shows them that you don't have to just sit back. You can do this yeah. and you're not alone. So it, it was, uh, I, it was a, a beautiful moment for, for me, for the podcast, uh, for life um, and it was something that really solidified, you know, what I do as something of importance, you know, like I, I really, it really blew me away and it, it really affected me. And I am such an advocate for our community from that moment on. We all need to share our stories. We all need to talk. We all need to share because she reached out. She had it in her to reach out. How many people do you know reach out to anybody? Mm. You had great customer service. Do you ever fill out that customer service card? Do you ever call that phone number? No. No. Very few people do. It doesn't take away the fact that you had amazing service <laughs> and it really changed the trajectory of your day or your evening, right? So I do the podcast. I share my story. You do the, the same thing. It's not just for the people that reach out to us. It's for the people who we affect who we'll, we'll never know. We'll never meet these people. But we're changing lives, which it sounds very grandiose, but I feel like we're changing the world one survivor at a time. Yeah. None of that sounds weird to me at all. I, I mean, but also I think we're in the same club, right? Like I, I agree with you. I think in general, our society does not talk about our vulnerabilities enough. And that means that people who are feeling vulnerable feel alone. And um, I mean, we were just talking about people who don't have brain injuries, who feel uncomfortable when we're joking about our brain injuries. But I've also had people who just feel uncomfortable when I talk about my brain injury at all <laughs> um, because they don't know what to say to me or they, you know, and I'm like, I'm fine. But I, you know, like I'm I want to tell the story because if one person hears it and feels like they, you know, can make it through whatever they're dealing with because of it, then that makes it worth the share, you know? So for sure. Yeah, for sure. Look, it, it's the people that get uncomfortable. It's because people want to connect people. I, I realized I was like, wow, a lot of normies, very offensive. <laughs> <laughs> they don't mean to be, they just want to connect. Mm -hmm. They just, they 100% cannot understand what we go through but they still want to. So like they desperately just try to connect as best they can. And in turn, they say a lot of really ridiculous things. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've gotten this one. This is one of my favorites. 
I was telling my story and I was explaining, you know, the stroke and brain injury, this and that. And there was this one guy who was desperately just trying to connect with me. And he just, he was like, yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. And then he took a step back and he was like, maybe I had a stroke. It was so oh, weird. God. Yeah. It, was so <laughs> it, was, it was so strange. It was really <sighs> uncomfortable, but you know, it's, it's normies, you know? Yeah. Yep. Those normies. Well, um, I mean, I think that there's something to be said for, and I think you and I are similar in this. Like, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'll tell you that if I had not had my brain injury, I wouldn't have really gotten myself to therapy to do a bunch of work. And I would still be um, sweeping things in my life under the rug that I shouldn't be. I have dealt with a lot of issues. I'm never going to be perfect, but I've done a lot of work at this point, but it's only happened because the brain injury got me there. Like the physical side of it was hard, but the emotional mental side of it was much harder for me and also has brought the most good. That's struggle, you know? Um, so hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, look, the mental side, that's like where the real work comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would have never have gone to therapy. I would have never started meditating, which I meditate every single day of my life. Now um, I being a recovering Catholic, <laughs> anytime I would close my eyes and just, it's just me and my thoughts. I would go very dark, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I was almost afraid to meditate. I was afraid to confront these feelings that I've had, you know, going to therapy, it helped me understand all of the things that led me to this point. You know, it helped me build boundaries, you know, mm-hmm. and look, boundaries are amazing. They're, they're amazing. Now think about boundaries, right? If, if you're having a conversation with somebody and they're saying something that you don't like, you have to say, Hey, I can't talk about this thing because it makes me feel like this, right? So you put up your boundary. Now, if they continue to do those things, do you know what they're telling you? They're saying, oh, hey, I don't care how you feel. I do not respect you. I don't Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. So what what do you do with that information? Do you allow them to keep doing it? No. Either they they change or there has to be some kind of repercussion. Mm -hmm. You know, I've lost. I haven't haven't lost. I've let go of a lot of people. Yeah. Sadly, I've let go of a lot of family. You know, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. I kind of describe us as brain injury survivors as um, we're evolved beings now. <laughs> That's a we great way of looking at it. <laughs> right? We were caterpillars. Mm-hmm. We're now beautiful butterflies <laughs> soaring through the sky, right? The people that knew us back then, they knew us as caterpillars. So we, we did caterpillary things. My family in particular, they just, they miss the caterpillar. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand what it's like to soar through the sky. The thing is, they need to evolve to come follow me because I can't go back to crawling in the dirt. Yeah. I, I can't do it. You know, so when they're ready, I'm here. I'm here in the beautiful blue sky when you're ready to get out of the dirt. Until then, I had to distance myself. And it's not easy. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but it was necessary for my recovery. Did you have a mourning period when you kind of figured that that need to happen? Oh, yeah, it was hard. It was it was very, very difficult because I don't have a very large family. I'm Puerto Rican, like I do have a very large family, <laughs> but I only associate with like five mm-hmm. people, right? So it was hard to basically cut everybody off. But what's more important, you know, making sure that other people are happy or your own health. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that I've learned about putting up these boundaries and becoming more mentally healthy myself, it's amazing to look at the people that I surround myself with now as opposed to that. Then the people that I surrounded myself with were very toxic, very broken people. Now that I'm healing and I'm in a better place, it's amazing that everybody around me is in a very healing, healthy place, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Now, it's not to say that the people that I associated with back then can't do that. They can. They just need to evolve. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you joke about Catholic guilt a lot because I'm not Catholic. I'm Episcopalian, so I'm Catholic light. But my mom's Catholic <laughs> or was Catholic. <laughs> brilliant. And, um, and so I'm like second generation Catholic guilt. It's like the trickle down effect of it because it came from a parent. And, um, I, it's, you know, like I, I, I see the, the ripple effect in my life from that. Um, like it's, it's funny, haha, but it is like the root of some of that, like, let's not acknowledge vulnerability. Let's not talk about issues. Let's not deal with stuff. So, so earlier we were talking about tattoos, right? Um, So you have a stroke survivor tattoo, right? Well, yes, yes, I do. Okay. I have my, my stroke ribbon on my right arm, my nerd arm. It's my nerd <laughs> arm. 
Um, but yeah, I've been toying with the idea for a while now of going to get my first tattoo. This is super weird. I am, I have no tattoos, but I'm one of those people who has no tattoos. Who's obsessed with tattoos. Like my Instagram, I, I follow like probably 15 tattoo artists, like ta- what, are, what, are they, what do you call them? Tattoo artists, tattoo artists, right? I don't know. Tattooist? Tattooist? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but there's this guy down in New York city who I, like I love his stuff and I really want to go, but then of course pandemic. So I'm not going anywhere, but as life opens up a bit, I'm like, maybe I will go do this maybe. But the reason I am scared to get my tattoo is because I'm still scared that my mom is going to be ashamed of me. (laughs) I'm 37 years old. (laughs) I know. I know. My therapist and I have talked about this a lot about my tattoo. (laughs) I hope so. I hope one day that you're like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going all in. And you get a giant neck tattoo. I do. I hope that that's the thing. I'm not saying that you should get a face tattoo, but I'm saying you should get a neck tattoo. That would be great. (laughs) Hey, get a heart with an arrow through it that says mom. You know? (laughs) Uh, she would she would disown me but i do think like your mom doesn't have any tattoos in my family it's like a it's like a very like we let's see how do i put this so my dad's southern very conservative Mm -hmm. family and um loving you know like my i have wonderful parents um but yeah we had a, a rule in my family i have a younger brother but the rule in the family was you're they're allowed four piercings in the family and my mom has two one in each ear and I was allowed one in each ear and that's it and no tattoos <laughs> so but that's hilarious talk about things I you wouldn't four piercings <laughs> myself you broke my family rule <laughs> you're out of the family <laughs> but talk about things like you wouldn't have dealt with um weirdly this tattoo for me is like one of those lingering things that I you know it's sort of symbolic in a lot of ways of bigger things in my life about like fear of letting my family down and and letting, you know, other people's opinion of me prevent me from doing things that I want to do sometimes. And um, so at this point, I feel like I almost have to go get this tattoo as like a mark that this is like the fine. This is like the butterfly, you know, like this is the end of that stage where I let people dictate what I do. So. When is your brain injury anniversary? Um, November thirteenth. So maybe that maybe that's how I that's celebrate you, this year. Be, it should be a goal to maybe get a tattoo. Okay. Then. I say get it some today <laughs> after we're done talking. Go get me. But if you want to like actually think about it, <laughs> just march down the street. November thirteenth should be the day. That you should <laughs> no, just go to the bathroom. Just do one yourself. Get like a prison tattoo. <laughs> get a pen and some ink. It's gonna be fine. So. <laughs> Set November 13th, that should be the goal. I'm going to get a tattoo then to celebrate my brain injury anniversary. Yeah, I do celebrate every year. So that's a really good way of doing it. And so you're hearing it here, listeners. Check back in November 13th, 2021. We'll see if I can make it happen. Do you, do you cry on your brain injury anniversary? I don't cry. I It makes me really happy, honestly. Um, and I think that is part of... For me, it's like a celebration of something that I am very appreciative of. I'm grateful that it happened to me. And I've only had two so far, but the second one, this last one especially, was like I hiked a mountain with my dog and it's cold in New Hampshire in um, November. So it was like a really rainy, cold day. And I woke up and I was like, oh gosh, (laughs) what did I sign up for? But I was like, you know what? No, we're going to do this. And you know, I got to the top of the mountain. I was like, my body can hike a 4,000 foot mountain in the rain, in the cold, in New Hampshire, in November. That's amazing. You know, like I got hit by a car and I should have died, but here I am at the top of this mountain and my dog's barking at me because he hates the rain and he's pissed, but here I am. (laughs) So that's a beautiful moment. It was, you know, it's a a very emotional Mm -hmm. day. And I thought I, cause I'm, you know, I celebrated my four year stroke anniversary, August 4th. So I was like, you know what? I'm tired of crying all day. Every stroke anniversary. I'm, I I got a great plan. So I planned on processing the day before Mm -hmm. where I'm just going to think about everything and I'm going to cry. So then when the day comes, I'm just going to be fine. Nope. It just ended up me crying for two days. (laughs) You (laughs) extended it. I I love that day. (laughs) 
I, I don't – I never celebrated my birthday really my whole life because, again, survival mm-hmm. mode. Um, but I celebrate my birthday now. But more important to me is my stroke anniversary because that's like my rebirth day. That's the day that I actually like – I was born again. Oh, it sounds really religious. It's, it's kind of a spiritual uh, – um, you know. Uh, Honestly, it kind of is. And I, I agree with you like my – I care about my birthday, but for me, this, the brain injury anniversary is more important because it is, you know, like I didn't have a choice about coming into this life, you know, like I was birthed, <laughs> it happened, but you know, I do feel that I lived because I fought for it. So look every day after your brain injury, you've chosen to live the way that mm-hmm. you live, you know, like you made that yeah. choice. You were just, you, you were just thrown into this world. Right. But every day after that, that was an adult's choice, a conscious decision. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a bigger deal for me. So when you get your neck tattoo <laughs> on November 13th, it's going to be so, 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 it's going to be so, so yeah, I'll get, I'll get actually, mom on um, one side and Joe on the other. <laughs> actually, so I have Joe right there. Um, my, my first tattoo ever. I was uh, 17, way too young. And I got my uh, name in old English on my shoulder. Whatever, I was Wait, what's your name Whatever. in Old English? It, no, it's literally, it's just the, the, oh. the writing with Old English writing. So <laughs> I thought you were saying there was a was version of Joe in Old English, and I was like, what did they call Joe's back no. then? <laughs> not, not, not at all. And I'll just say this, 17-year-olds, don't make the best decisions. Just say it. Just say it. So I didn't want to cover it up, but I wanted to enhance it. So I had a, a hemorrhagic stroke, and so my brain was bleeding. They had to um, relieve the pressure. So they put a little hole in my head. It's a little tiny hole. It's like this. It's, a little, it's like an inch to drain the blood out of my brain. It's a tiny scar that unless you're really looking for it, you can't really see it. But to me, I really felt deformed. I really felt like it was this thing. Okay. Finish talking and then I'll, I can totally relate to this. So, so I, it's it just yeah, – I felt like Gorbachev, <laughs> right? Like he has that big stick. Yeah. Like I really felt like I would never leave the house without a hat. I would always freak out and one day – I forgot my hat because I have brain injury, short-term memory loss. <laughs> I forgot my hat and I was out and I kind of panicked a little bit because I didn't have my hat. And I don't want people looking at me. My girlfriend, the sweetest, most beautiful woman, she just calmed me down and she put her hands on my shoulders and she was like, hey, it's okay. You're like Harry Potter. It's like the yeah. Harry Potter star. You're the boy who And from that moment on, it made everything better. So I enhanced my tattoo with – so now it says Joe – the boy, the boy who lived. lived. Oh, I love that. The Deathly Hallows oh. with the Joe, but instead of the wand, yeah. it's a lightsaber because I'm all the Star Wars guy. So I, I had to nerd you it out even nerd. more so. But <laughs> my second stroke tattoo, where it's like, you know, I'm the boy who lived because of the scar. And then my stroke, um, my Yoda <laughs> tattoo on the ribbon, it says, do or do not, there is no try, because that's how I feel about mm. recovery. So you should get something similar on your neck. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to copy all of those and just put them on my neck. No, I I can relate to your scar thing. I have one on my arm from where um, I had some kind of IV and I don't know why I have it's honestly people would think it was like a white freckle if they saw it. I just know what it is. Um, And it it, it's the you won't be able to see it. It's tiny. Where is it right now? My bracelet put a dent in my arm. It's no, it's I'm wearing a bracelet and it like dented my arm because it was so it's right on here. Like you can't see it. It's right here. But to you, it's the biggest thing in the world. It's the mark of a time in the hospital where I had zero control. I I know you know what I'm talking about. And and that is part of like I I don't want to cover it, but I want to like take that back as my own. Like it's my mark. It's not the injuries mark. Right. You know, like I own it. The injury doesn't own me. Um, so that's part of the idea behind that's where I want my tattoo is right there. Oh, ending, ending yes. by the scar. So, yeah. Yes. Look, it's going to be a, a beautiful tattoo. Maybe like a little arrow. <laughs> Just <laughs> circle with an arrow scar. <laughs> it's not the scar. Yeah. It's not the yeah. scar. How big or however small it is. It's the meaning behind mm-hmm. it. Yeah, exactly. So the scar on my head. It's so small, but to me, it brought me back to, oh my gosh, and it's the mm-hmm. worst. Me naked, sitting on a shower chair in the shower, and an old nurse on the outside saying, cover yourself up, and then she would come in. It was yeah. so weird. And it, things like that, like literally having everything taken mm-hmm. from you, that's what it reminds me of. 
and that's where all the emotion is attached yeah. to it. See, this is why survivors have to mm-hmm. connect. This is why we have to talk. Only you and I can truly understand what that feels mm-hmm. like. And people who are listening, they they understand that. You know, normies, you guys can get this. Sorry, Sorry normies. normies. You can try, but yeah, I mean, I think it it is one of those things where it's like, it's going to be different for everybody. The thing that, that does what those scars do for us. But I think we all do have them. The things that like are the reason or there's symbolism in taking them back as our own versus allowing the injury to, um, own the life, own our lives. And, um, for sure. Yeah. It's even like people talking about how negative their experience is post brain mm-hmm. injury. Right. Where it's like the stroke, like a, a, a blessed, I feel super blessed that physically, again, kind of killing it. I do have issues with my right hand, but that pales in comparison to like what it could have mm-hmm. been. You know, I know people who have never known what one side of their body feels like. Right. So a lot of people who have had these physical deficits, they immediately go to the brain injury took this away from me. It took this away from me. I like to vote. Fo- yeah. I, there's another side to that coin mm-hmm. though. You know, it also gave you a very important perspective. It gave you an opportunity to do something that you want with your life. You know, like I understand how close I came to not being here. I don't want to keep living the same life that I was living. It wasn't living. It wasn't, you know, I I want to, and again, it's always what you focus on, right? It's the glass is half full or it's half empty. Being a recovering Catholic, the glass was always half empty and the other half was full of poison. (laughs) So like I completely shifted my mindset, you know, and, and I implore really good word. I love the word implore. I implore everybody out there to do the same. We can, we didn't make it back to bitch, moan, complain, and get stuck on these things, right? I think we made it back to truly live life, be the best versions of ourselves, and enjoy our time here because we really know how close we came to not being here. So let's not waste any more time. Let's, yeah, uh, let's it is. Let's it's go. one of those things. The, the closest thing I've been able to compare that to, that mentality that like the way you measure yourself is by looking at who you were before your brain injury is like, you know, people who were athletes when they were younger, And I do this to myself. Like I've always been a runner. I'm not going to run a five, you know, 20 mile the way I once did. I'm 37. Life changes. You can't like as you evolve, you cannot measure yourself by the standard of who you were when you ran your best mile. You know, Um, that doesn't dictate what your fitness level needs to be for the rest of your life. And the same goes for post pre and post brain injury. You can't make that the measure of the best you. And quite frankly, it probably isn't going to be the best you. Um, you know, like when I ran my best mile, I was a dummy. <laughs> like, I, you know, like I was an idiot. I was, you know, like I was a lot younger and I had not learned a lot of the lessons that I've learned now. So, you know, like. Do you, do you recognize that person? Do you recognize old version of you? Um, I do as like a phase in the evolution, you know, like I was, I've always been me at the heart of me. Um, it's just like the lessons that you learn along the way. Do you, if you can go back and stay home that day that you got in your accident, would you no. stay home? Mm-mm. See, nobody understands yeah. that. I don't want right? to get hit by a nobody car again, <laughs> but right. But no, I, the, the place I am now, I'm, I'm just a lot's happened that has made me a better person. So, yeah. And a better parent, honestly, and a better business owner and a better, you know, family member to my family. I think, I hope. (laughs) So yeah. People with injuries are significantly better than everybody else. We are superior. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, I, I love that. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that. like, did you freeze? It, no, it, it got really choppy on your, your your face. You looked uh, like you just saw. This. It was seven days after seeing the <laughs> ring tape. It was just your face. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I look back on the time when I had just gotten out of the hospital and I was home. I was a zombie. Like I was, I was in the hospital for just a few days, but I was a zombie when I got home. Like I was not present in my body. I have memories of it, very vague ones, but I, you know, like 
I was not me. And in that stage, I was not allowed to pick up my son, who was two at the time, because they were worried about the pressure, like the strain on my brain. Um, so I remember that period feeling like, I mean, I was severely depressed, which, you know, thank God for therapy, but it was a direct result of brain injury. Um, and I was, I just remember being in constant terror of what kind of parent I was going to be to my child. Um, because I was not myself. I didn't know what the new normal was going to be if there ever was going to be a new normal. Um, and I look back on that time and like, I think you in, in the direct, in the immediate period after a brain injury, you can't know what's to come, obviously. Um, so it's easy to get sunken into that mire and the negativity. But now I look back on all of it and I'm like, I'm really glad that I have been able to come as far as I have because I, in terms of parenthood and appreciation of the moment and being able to be present in the moment with people, especially your child, I always struggled with that before. And now I am so grateful for my life that I am much more able to be present in those moments. Whereas before, like pre-brain injury me, I was always like, what do I have to do? What's my to-do list? What do I have to do at work? And very easily distracted from just like sitting on the ground and playing Legos with my kid or pretending to be a superhero with him. Or, you know, like those are the things that matter way more than your to-do list or the things you have to do at work. So, yeah. Right. Brain injuries, aren't they oh, great? They're the best. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's only been two years for you. You're still early on in your yeah, recovery. Yeah. You know? Does it depress you when you hear people say that, you know, well, yeah, recovery is ongoing? No. I mean, I, I've been really fortunate, honestly, because, you know, like like you, physically, it hasn't taken much of a toll on me. It's really like the short-term memory and um, fatigue stuff. But it can only get better from here. You know, like there are times when I have setbacks and I like kick myself for pushing myself too hard. But I'm a lot better than I was about that. So. Ooh, I, I, I got, I got a little, little, little advice. A little advice. Change the word setback mm. to hiccup. Hiccup. There you go. Get rid of the word setback. <laughs> Hiccups, it feels so like when you're like, oh man, I had a yeah. setback. It's like, yeah, wow, I fell back, right? Had a hiccup. That was just a little yeah. bump in the road. Yeah. Right? Like mentally it puts you in a different place. Okay. So I have a question for you. You asked me a while ago, do I ever get tired yeah. of my telling my story? And I'm going to turn that question yes. back on you because I mean, we're both people who have to tell our stories a lot. We talk about brain injuries a lot. <laughs> do you ever get tired of telling your story? So the plus side of having short term memory <laughs> loss is I don't even remember saying it most of the time. Um, but honestly, no, I don't. Um, it's a good reminder for me, where I come from, because some days, you know, it's days I've, I've said it. Hey, the world's heavy, the world's hard. It everything is not always easy. It's not, you know. And so when I tell my story, when somebody asks, or when I'm just like <laughs> unsolicited storytelling time, uh, whenever that happens, it it helps. It's a nice reminder of where I was yeah. and where I want to be. So and and on those rough days. It's like, oh, yeah, really easily. I, I could not be here. I could not be here. So it's helpful for me to tell the story. Yeah. So I don't mind telling my story over and over and over again. Because I also know that there's somebody out there that's listening yeah. that it's helping. You know, I'm sure there's people who are like, <laughs> Joe, again. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. It's not for you. It's yeah. for the people that actually need to hear it. So no, I, I, I don't get tired of telling my story. I sometimes I think like I need to hear my own story once in a while too. Like I will have days where I go a full day and I don't think about the fact that I've, you know, like survived a brain injury. And then like it occurs to me again. I'm like, oh yeah, I, I survived that. And then I feel good about it again. <laughs> it's, it's helpful. It's helpful yeah. to hear it out loud too, because sometimes you'll get in a rhythm and you forget. You're right. You forget that you have brain injury. And then things like setbacks, or as I like to call them, hiccups, they pop up and you're like, oh, I had a brain injury. So yeah, maybe I'm not processing right today. Maybe I did that because of, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It helps me. It helps uh, put into perspective my days. So I, I like to share my story because it is, it's a constant reminder yeah. of what happened to us. So it can help balance out some stuff and it could also help give us that motivation yeah, to keep pushing exactly. through. Okay. One more thing. Um, yeah. 
So if you have been an ongoing listener on this podcast, you've heard Joe's name before because there have been several guests on this podcast who have been like, oh, you know, Joe, I know Joe. And I'm like, I don't actually I don't know if I know Joe, (laughs) but I think that um, to your credit, so many people in this brain injury community have been connected through you because of you sometimes or are connected to you. Um, And I think that that is something pretty amazing. Like I you were talking earlier about like how, you know, we are we automatically connect because we have brain injuries, but you've done an amazing job connecting others and getting a lot going in this community. So I don't know where I was going with that. Maybe it was just a little pat on the back to you, but (laughs) take that pat on the back. I mean, so many people don't have a brain injured friend. Right. Um, And so I think when you discover your first brain injured friend that it feels amazing and it should feel amazing. So it should, it's life changing. And I don't say that lightly. I, I, I don't say that lightly at all. When I first met Lauren, you know, we didn't have, she didn't have a stroke. She had a, a severe concussion, but we share a lot of similar issues with, with our, our brains. It changed the trajectory of my recovery. I met Bridget Clarice, a photographer from um, Arizona. She was the first stroke survivor I met in person. And that changed the trajectory of my recovery. And those two moments in my recovery really changed everything about me. I now want that for everybody. I want everybody to feel how amazing that is. Because I'm sure you at some point know too how isolating and lonely a brain injury can feel. I don't want anybody to ever feel that. So I kind of feel like it's almost my purpose to connect people and help people not feel that. So I have a passion to to do that i have a thing i started three years ago three years ago i've done every day since it was called it was in february three years ago it was called operation (laughs) operation (laughs) brain buddy connect right where the month of february because it has the least amount of days every single day i was going to reach out to a new survivor literally type in hashtag stroke survivor and connect and try to build community in that way it turned into such a success that month that I've just done it every day since. <laughs> I'm like a creeper. I'll randomly hit up people and be like, hey, you have brain injury? Have brain injury too. We should get it. Just trying to build mm-hmm. community, you know? So it's something that like I'm very passionate about and it's something that like I just, I want everybody to feel what we're feeling right now. That understanding, that connection, you know? And I want to build mm-hmm. this neuro nerd network out there, you know, and I want to connect us all and I want us all to be in a, a very good place because we're part of the most amazing dysfunctional brain injury family. That's awesome. And I think a great quest to be on. For sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you too want to be connected to Joe, you can go stalk him on Instagram at Joso Rocks on Instagram or at the Neuro Nerds on Instagram. And definitely check out the Neuro Nerds podcast, especially if you enjoy Joe and he makes you laugh because he will make you laugh every time you listen. And also you will meet Lauren, his co-host, who I have not met, but seems to be a badass. Um, and what else, Joe? Anything else you want to leave our listeners with? So one day I'm going to start a brain injury cult, right? Walk with me here. It's going to be great. <laughs> for us right now they're like well what about normies out there what we're gonna do is we're gonna hit them over the head with large steel pipes give them brain injuries so they could be part of our community it's gonna be beautiful mariah it's gonna be so much fun are you in uh yeah they too can be butterflies i'm in (laughs) (laughs) no this has been beautiful yeah definitely reach out to me uh at joso rocks on all the socials the neuro nerds on all, all the socials we're very kind people. We're very nice. Uh, I love to connect. I love to, to chat. Um, I say it every episode on my podcast and I mean it, you know, we're, we're here to help the neuro nerds. We are here to help. And that's what we genuinely want to do. We want to help this community, um, uh, grow, thrive and succeed. So, uh, this has been awesome, right? You, you, you've been amazing. You know, you've been and amazing. Day, Maybe we're day, just both I'll amazing. Get connect, I'll get to connect with Aaron because she's new. You, you and I, we go back like babies and pacifiers. You just keep Aaron scaring Aaron I, away. <laughs> you haven't met yet. Yeah. We kind of met briefly, but like we're, we're, we're going to connect and I'm going to get her to drop an F-bomb. It's going to be so much fun. Good luck. You know, <laughs> I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can. <laughs> done and done. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Joe. And thank you to our listeners for joining us again. This is Mariah signing off without Aaron, but she'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. Hey, everyone. 
In case you're wondering what Aaron and I do for a living, it's not podcasting. I work in marketing, Aaron's a nurse, and this is just a side project that we love. We really do enjoy doing this, and we've enjoyed being part of the community and building up a group of listeners. You guys probably don't even realize how much you help us out uh, just by supporting us. If you were looking to do a little bit extra, uh, we would love to have your ratings on Apple or whichever podcasting service that you use. Or if you hear us talk about a product on the podcast, we do include those links to Amazon in our show notes on our website. Your purchase after you click on the link just gives us a tiny little kickback. Nothing much, but it helps us pay our bills. And if you are thinking, well, this isn't enough, we want to do a little bit more on our website at www.makingheadwaypodcast.com. We have a donation page. Any proceeds we receive, we give 10% to our favorite brain injury nonprofit of the moment. So if you are looking to do a little bit more, that would be a great way to support us. Again, we appreciate you guys oh so much. Thanks so much for your time and your ongoing support. We love our listeners and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time. All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean.